Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another what will prove to be fabulous episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. Today, Kathy and I are really excited because we want to talk about the personal statement, the main Ooh. essay that most students who are embarking upon the college process will have to encounter at some point in their process. And so given that it's sort of the start of the academic year and we're working with lots of seniors who are elbows deep in personal process, we thought it would be good to spend some time talking about the personal statement. Yeah, because it also is like the hardest part of the application. Undoubtedly. I thought it was filling out your name. Biographical address. information. <laughs> no. Actually, it turns out I think that is very hard for students because parents, they never know your full name and they, they never don't. know what where you, you went do, to college. And they never know where you went to college. So <laughs> maybe tell them that from time to time. They really don't. They, they really like, don't. I have to sit down with my parents and do the biographical. I'm I have like, no what idea. Does your mom they do? don't know their social security. She's number, like a yeah. doctor. <laughs> okay. Like some, some sort of business thing, know, something with business. Something in my house. <laughs> totally. Okay. It's so funny. Well, anyways, the personal statement is very challenging. And yep. because most of the time, because kids are like, I have no idea what I want to say about myself. Yeah. And what is this stupid essay for anyways? Why don't you do All right, We have the same question, quite frankly. We're like, what is this stupid essay for anyways? <laughs> As people who coach kids on how to write their college essays and host an essay workshop every summer, we are we can be a little jaded about the whole personal statement bit. Um, Interesting choice of words. <laughs> bit. Bit. Well, let's talk about the purpose because yeah. it has one. A few, actually. It does have one. This just brings up all of my... It's too early to be this I know. Day. I'm already angry this about the college process. in, like, December. <laughs> no, I'm already angry it's about August. it. No, dude, there's too much stuff happening in the news. I'm already angry well, about the college process. We'll do another episode on that. We're doing more episodes But about I'm that. already feeling angst yeah, about... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's just prepping you. Gabby's just... Preparing I'm you. preparing you for the angst that for I'm the, feeling the about the num- college process. The number of episodes this year where we're Lord have here. mercy. Lord. It's been a summer on the college admission landscape. Yes. But, but the personal statement. So if you think about an application, this is how I often talk about it with students, is containing component pieces, different spokes on the application wheel. The personal I statement. I use puzzle. I often use puzzle. <laughs> I use spokes on a wheel. I go back and forth. Yeah. Today, it was spokes on a wheel. Okay. It's one of and one of the most important spokes on that wheel because it really is one of the few times in the process that a college is hearing directly from the student. The other elements, their transcript or test scores, those are sort of already done. They're in black and white and they're immutable. You can't go back and change what your grades were from freshman year, but your personal statement allows you to form a narrative about who you are as an applicant 
what how you've grown over time, hopefully, how you've changed, how you've evolved, and, and why you're sort of ready at this point in your life to kind of transition to this next phase of education. So the purpose... I say, I encapsulate that with this phrase, what matters to me and why? I was like, this is what your essay is about. It's about what matters to you and why. Yes, that is the purpose of writing it. It has another purpose, which is to help you also... I mean, let's be real. Like, it also helps an admission officer differentiate between students. Mm -hmm. It helps them understand fitness and readiness for program. Maturity, self-awareness. All that stuff that we talk about. So every episode where we're like really cynically repeating ourselves about having boundaries around cell phone policies, it all comes down to maturity, (laughs) which is, turns out, going to be really important on a personal statement to demonstrate. So that's kind of the purpose. I think it would be, I don't want to scare people. But But you're going to do it. I want your opinion. I think it's also important (laughs) as two former admission officers to help parents understand how they're read, like how much time. Yeah, not a lot of time, turns out. (laughs) So everyone who's like listening We do this in our workshop. Ask yourself silently or out loud or with your partner, whoever's around you, how much time do you think an admission counselor spends reading a personal statement? Let's pause while they think. About that much time. (laughs) That's about... It's like... That's about that much time. three of those. No. Not for the first, you just kind of like, you're like, is this worth reading? That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, a lot should, of people. But explain what you just mean by that, because I think they think, a lot of people think that I get a personal statement and I read it start to finish one time and then I'm done. Nay. We've talked about like, like <laughs> we've talked about in past episodes, like how many files we had to read in one day, you know, back in our, Meredith and I are both former USC admission officers, but you know, if you had to read like 80 applications in a day, like you were not going to read every single essay from the beginning to the territory. End. Yeah, I know. And we both had Texas, so I, I feel you. That was, was a big territory. I get you. I get a lot it. of kids in Texas. Lots and lots of apps. Lots. lots so of, many apps. So many apps. And so, you know, a lot of times your first pass is just a skim. You're just like, and what's that skim is there, for? am I actually going to read this carefully? <laughs> Is or there anything, else. is there any compelling information? In or are there here? any major red flags? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Any red flags, anything compelling that is going to make me really want to admit this applicant. So compelling is like, oh, do I really? I'm like, wow, this kid is showing a lot of maturity and depth and self-awareness. And they're sharing a meaningful story with me about who they are and and mm-hmm. and, and what matters to them and why. Or red flags, for example, like, oh, is this a TMI essay? I'm not kidding you people when I say I actually have a file from my USC days in which I have photocopied essays that I was like, this one needs to go in the file. And I did get an essay about a student losing their virginity. TMI. TMI. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that. I have one of those. You have one of those? Ugh, it's I have one disclosed crime. Oh, no. Don't disclose crime. In general. Oh, no. Illegal activity. Frequent appearance of crime. (laughs) Not great on the college application. Yeah, don't talk about your illegal activity on your um, college essay. Yeah, don't talk about your substance abuse. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about your partying and your drinking and all the bad things you're doing. And But more often than not, you get a lot of like very superficial 
essays that don't hurt an applicant, but they don't help. Yeah, neutral impact. Very, very neutral. And I would say that that's like the majority of essays, really, that you're just like, this is a fine so essay. Far, we're doing a really great job calming people down. <laughs> I'm going to bring us in a little bit. I'm going to bring us back. That's a fine essay. Well, anyways, the point is we're going to talk about impactful essays, okay? Like what really makes an impact? And caveat, okay, some kids can't get there. I mean, that's the fucked up reality. Some kids can't write like that. Some kids can't write like that. And some kids do not have the emotional awareness yeah. or maturity right. to write to a compelling. Critically introspective yeah. in the way you need to, to write a compelling college essay. That is correct. Yeah. Which and is, so then the goal is neutral yeah. impact. Right. And it's why parents are like, why do you start coaching kids so early? I'm like, because we're trying to help them develop a stronger sense of self earlier on so that when they get to this point, like they have a stronger sense of self, not just to write the personal statement, but to like have a better process because they know who they are. They know what they want. They know what they're going for. Right. Like they just have a stronger sense of that, which we think is important overall in general for life success. But I digress. Continue, Meredith. I'm sorry. Well, the major takeaway that I want listeners, watchers to hear from our little diatribe is that most admission counselors are going to look at an essay more than one time, but they're going to do so quite quickly and maybe a grand total. So they're not toiling over, you know, every single word. No, really no. In the way that I think sometimes students think they are. Yes. That's not true. We probably won't notice if you forgot a comma. <laughs> I probably would. <laughs> okay, but that's weird. Most people don't. Most people don't. Yes, yeah. true. I'm true. extra special. But there are. Okay, so let's talk about. I think I want to start with. We're going to talk about common mistakes that we see, but I think I want to start with some just general, really strong goals to have as your child embarks upon the essay. So, first and foremost, do make it personal. And I'm going to say something that. When I say this, parents and students never like it, but it's true. Students come to me all the time. What's a unique topic? What's something mm. nobody has written about? Can't Nothing. It. You can't. <laughs> Sorry. There's no such thing as a unique topic. Everything that, you know, whether it's setback that you've overcome yep. or there are themes that are consistent, yep. right? It is not important to come up with a unique topic. I can read 50 essays about sports. 10 of them could be the best essays I've ever read in my entire life all about sports. 40 of them are probably going to be shitty. It's okay. It's not what you choose to talk about. It's how the child talks about it. This is what I tell students who pick cliched topics, right? Like mm-hmm. parents divorce, sports as a metaphor for life, travel, outdoor education, you know, like getting injured in <laughs> a, a sports. A injury. Right? Those are just really, I mean, Meredith and I can come up with a list with they're common. They're just common really topics. common topics. Okay. And what I always tell st- students is you can try to write that essay, right? And let me see what comes out of yeah. it. And you might have a really unique take I've never seen before. You might take it somewhere that I've never seen and go ahead and try. What I tell kids is that it's actually harder to write a compelling essay when you are in those categories because so many of those stories are exactly the same. So if you have a deeper understanding of how X affected you and you have a compelling story to tell about that, I would like to see it. Right. But I do think that 
a lot of teens have a hard time getting out of the cliched ending of that story. I think, yeah. So like travel, for example, is often when I see, I'll be honest, when I see an essay that talks about travel and all the lessons learned and oh my gosh, people live at different income brackets. And I just realized that. Same thing with service essays. Service essays. Same I, thing. I, when Same. I know that that's about to be the thing Same I'm going to read, yeah. I, I will cringe. cringe. <laughs> But I also have read some that were really beautiful. And what distinguishes between the cringe and the ick and the not is the depth of introspection and analysis and authenticity and growth that is evidenced in other parts of life that the child can point to. Now, not many kids can pull that off. Nope. And so... So that's why it's hard. So it's... While there's no such thing as a unique topic because thematically, there's only so many themes, right, that fit the prompts... It's so important to, and this is what the work that we do with with students is to help them brainstorm, well, what are the fundamental qualities and characteristics that make you, you, that guide the way you live your life? This is why we talk, because one of the many reasons we talk about value so much at Village. And where can I see you expressing that? Maybe it's about you taking care of your little sister for the first two years of high school. And it has nothing to, it's not fancy in any way. Those are often the mundane sort of day-to-day parts of life are Mm -hmm. often the best essays. Yeah. You've got to be able to show depth in your essay, right? So like, I think we're on the common, common mistakes bullet point of this topic. I tried not to. (laughs) Wait, can I, what? Well, I want to do like, do good things. And here's not all the mistakes. Because it's so easy for us to come up with mistakes. We will. Okay. Okay, we'll talk about good things. Okay. But I, what I was... Mm. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do something. You can say a good thing. I was simply going to say <laughs> that for a lot of kids, they think that... Like, I don't want you to mistake what Meredith and I are saying as something that I hear from teens all the time. I have to be really, I have to sound really deep and really like I have solved all the world's problems and I have it all figured out. That's not what we're talking about at all. I want to be really clear about that because I think kids will take the advice that we just heard and hear, I need to have it all figured out. Right. My essay needs to be like, there needs to seem earth shattering like conclusion that I come to that I'm going to be like, whoa, nobody's ever had that thought. (laughs) (laughs) What? My mind has been blown, like literally altered my view of the universe. Like, no, that is not what we mean. No. Not at all. The Self-awareness. Con- yes. Mature reflection. Yes. Yes. That's what we mean. Listen, at the end of the day, the whole point of the application is for an admission office to assess readiness for school, more school. College is more school, which gets lost a lot in this process. And they're looking for maturity and you want your kid to sound mature. And it is easy to look at an essay and the fundamental question I'm asking it, does this kid sound mature and ready or not in all the ways, academically, socially, environmentally, from a kind of global mindset standpoint, are they open to diverse ideas? Are they open-minded? Are they eager to learn? Are they intellectually are they, curious? Are they kind? Are they kind? Are, are they, they compassionate? Are they going to yeah. be a, a strong citizen in my college community? Like this is the stuff that they're assessing. Is this a good person? Do I like this person? Would other people like this person, right? right? Bring yourself to life. I think that is something we do encourage students to do is like bring yourself to life. Be real. Be authentic, right? And Kids do that in a myriad of ways. There is not just one way to do that. For sure. And I don't want some kid to look at, you know, Johns Hopkins actually has a pretty cool website. It's called Essays That Worked. So they're like, 
essays of their admitted students. And you will go through that website and I promise you that you will look at essays and you'll be like, oh, that was a really good essay. And there'll be essays that you're like, that essay sucked. Why did that work? Yeah. (laughs) Which brings up a really important point about this whole process of reading essays is that it's super subjective. Yeah. If you shopped your kids, like let's say your kid's essay is done, you shopped around to five different professionals, you'd probably get a a few people who really liked it and some people who thought it was like just okay and one person who was like, I don't like it at all. Like that is really common and that is okay. But like where I'm sitting, we actually use a rubric in our college essay workshop. So to kind of get out the personal bias from us, like the essays we like to read. Yeah. Yeah. So we do use a rubric to help kids figure out. I like to read for sure. Undoubtedly, right? You can't take bias out of this process as much as we'd like to. And nobody's using AI to read essays anytime soon. Don't go down that. that My point is that it's really subjective and that just because it's not universally loved by a bazillion people doesn't mean that it's a bad essay. But we want kids to be authentic. We want them to tell something that can't be gleaned from other parts of their application and is interesting to know about them, right? Okay, I'm going to be really pragmatic now. Okay, be pragmatic. Okay, pragmatic things an essay needs to have. It needs to have a grabby opening. So like in the first review, kind of first skim that Kathy was referencing earlier, usually how I would do that is I'd read the first paragraph, which takes me, what, seconds to read a first paragraph. And the question I ask myself is, One, did I make it through all the sentences in the first paragraph because they were interesting? And do I want to read more? And if the answer is yes, then that essay is going to get more of my time and attention. Can I offer an alternate perspective on that? Go ahead. I agree that you should have a grabby opening. But what I have seen, which really has annoyed me in my work as a college counselor at a prep school, is that kids have clearly worked with an essay coach to write a grabby opening that they would never have written on their own. Oh, yeah. Don't be like, obviously, like, don't have it obviously written by like a 50 year old. And they all sound the same. So, <laughs> like, you can tell. You're like, oh, I know who wrote that. But to me, what I mean by grabby opening yes. is it's a little disorienting. Like, it's well constructed, it's a well constructed paragraph, grammatically, structurally. And, like, well, I feel like there's enough information that's piquing my interest and curiosity. Okay, so I'm going to stick with my pragmatic list. Yeah, keep going. Um, grammar and structure. Yes, it is different than English essays. The style of writing is different. Yep. So it is true that students don't need to obey some of the like same kind of grammar rules. But no, it's more conversational. From a readability standpoint, if I'm reading, if you're number 78 of the 80 that I'm reading that day, it needs to be readable, which means it needs to have sound structure. There needs to be distinct paragraphs. There needs to be smooth transitions between paragraphs. There needs to be, I personally can't stand passive voice in every, if you have the same <laughs> structure, like verb structure, every sentence, the verbs is, was, and has. And I read the whole essay and now I think that the student only knows three verbs. Like that's a problem for me. It's hard on the eyes. Visually, it's hard on the eyes. So I think it's really important for students to, and we're going to talk about editing and why it's important to edit. It needs, to be, it needs to be well-written, right? It needs to be fluid. It needs to be well-written. I'm not as much of a grammar stickler as you are. It's for me, it's a readability thing. I just know the experience of having to read a lot of essays in one day, and you want to make it easy on the eyes. And I think when you when you pay attention to structure, you know, grammar is one thing, but when you put, I don't care about spelling, like a grammar thing here or there, but just the soundness of the structure. If like one topic is here, and I think you're about to go into the next topic in the next paragraph because, you know, like that's how paragraphs work. But it doesn't show up until like four paragraphs later. 
it's confusing. It makes it hard. You don't want to make an admission counselor work harder to understand your main takeaways. The other thing I was going to say, and Kathy sort of spoke to this earlier, students fall into this trap of thinking they have to reach some grand conclusion. Like they don't. It's okay. College admission officers know that they're reading the stuff of 17, 18 year olds. Like if it's a little messy, unfinished, they're still figuring a thing out. Fine. It's okay. In fact, usually that shows off more complex thinking and maturity, which is better. (laughs) So those are some of my very quick ones. And then I have lots of mistakes. Oh, yes. Well, I think that, so one of the things that we do in our essay workshop too, really early on, is we have kids look up an admission officer from a school that they want to go to. And I think that there's this misconception, right? Like everybody has this like old professor trope in their brain about what they're It's like some old white dude and he wears a tweed jacket with elbow patches and that's the guy who's reading my essay. So I know your audience, right? Like, no, actually, and most of the times when the kids are looking up their admissions people, we're like, look up their LinkedIn. Look at when they graduated from college. Like they are 23 years old. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, wait, they're like 24 years old. I'm like, yes, dude. I was like, so it's like, you're almost writing to peers. Right? Like in some ways. Yeah. And you are not – like a lot of kids feel like they have to sound smart on their college essay. Yeah. And I don't think they need to sound smart on their college essay. You need to be thoughtful. Yes. Right? But you don't need to use big words and you don't need to be writing a college paper. You don't need to present your evidence. (laughs) Right? You don't need to to show how well-read you are. Don't try to impress. If you start noticing yourself falling into this, I'm trying to impress them with my references to X or to Y. Or my experiences, right? Like, oh, I have to write about this internship because it was so impressive. It's making me think of that. So when we do our essay workshop, we have these previous essays that we distribute to the students in advance to give them a little practice reading essays and editing. And there is this one that is exactly this, where it's the stream of consciousness. Like I think- Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It was one of my real essays from USC. I feel like that kid was high when he wrote that. (laughs) Like, because it's like making all of these very intellectual, like Pablo Neruda poetry references and like- And you know what's weird? And I read the whole thing. Right. I'm like, I don't know this kid. I uh, my conclusion was, as I just said, this kid was high when they wrote this. That's not the conclusion you want. But the weird I know exactly what essay you're talking about. And you know what blows my mind every single year is that there will be kids. We have them rank the essays, and there are kids who love that essay. They love that. They often love that essay. They often love that essay. And I was like, you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) That essay sounds smart to them right, to them to a 17 year old 18 year old yep to us it sounds arrogant probably under the influence <laughs> it sounds high uh, i said that in our workshop that our like, kids laughed like this person sounds high well it's just kids are like it's so different it's so creative Ugh. and i'm like no that's not the point of this essay <laughs> this is again nowhere in the rubric does it say be different be right. creative. Right. Neither of those are on the rubric. Should we talk about, you know, we sort of have had this, we've belabored the no unique topic idea, but if we're being honest, there are some taboo topics. Yeah. Don't talk about- You lose your virginity. Your- yes. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Don't talk about your sexual experiences. I think that there's this big question that people have around talking about mental health. Yeah. That's a big one because it comes up a lot. And I think with the rise in the amount of teens who are suffering from mental illness or mental challenges in their high school career that are worthy of 
discussion, right? right? Like, how do you talk about that in a way? Because some admissions folks will tell you, and I'm sure there are peers who would say, don't even touch touch it. it. It's too risky. Admission folks are not... They're not nuanced enough they, right. to appreciate what you're doing. Right, right. Blah, blah, and blah, blah. it's going to raise a red flag, so why would you do that? And I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And I would say it depends on the kid and depends on the essay. Because I had mm-hmm. a kid write about OCD a few years ago. And it was very nuanced, very thoughtful, filled with self-awareness, and it was real. It wasn't like, I'm all better now and everything's great. That was not the conclusion right. of the essay, and it was mature. It showed that she's actually wrestling with this, mm-hmm. but she's really thinking about it in the right ways. And I have confidence when this kid comes yeah. to our campus, she's in control of the situation. She's proactive about managing whatever. Absolutely, is she's going aware on of all yeah. of the pitfalls and where she could go. It's already happened, right? Like she's right. doing, taking all the right steps to take care of herself, right? And she knows it's something she's going to have to deal with for the rest of her life. That's the reality of mental illness, right? It's not like you take a pill, you're done. Yeah. Okay, I mean, you're all better to? now. What's that? It's like who are you talking to? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so and I had another kid who wrote, and I was like, I don't think you're ready to write that essay yet. It's not for you. I think, yeah, so I think the distinction, again, we keep using that the M word, maturity. For students who are really in the middle of a mental health issue, crisis, mm-hmm. they have not had enough distance. experience, or not even distance, but experience with it to be in the position of the student that Kathy's referencing, where, yes, while it's better in some ways, but it's not gone away, but I know how to leverage and marshal my tools and my resources to ensure that I am managing this concern, this issue in a healthful way. If the child hasn't had enough time or therapy or work to really arrive at that place, or they're still very acutely suffering in some kind of way, it's not a never, but it's a probably not a great Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. to write about that, Mm -hmm. I would say. Too close, not enough distance. Too close, not enough distance. And also too potentially traumatic. You know, sometimes students choose Mm -hmm. topics, you know, like for example, you talked about separated parents. Sometimes that if that's a recent thing or it's a very contentious separation, the child chooses that thinking that, well, ultimately this will be quite the crucible experience for me. And certainly I can mine from it right now ways in which it's changed me or shaped me. But it also can be too raw and too emotional mm-hmm. and too sad. And so it's just not worth – it's important, I think, for young people to feel like they have ownership over their topic. Yeah. Which, by the way, let me repeat that. They need to own their topic. Mm-hmm. So as many wonderful ideas that parents or their aunt or their friend who taught an English class at a community college may have, they need to land on an idea that feels authentic to them. And we would discourage ideas that are – triggering, overly triggering, overly traumatizing. There's not distance from. They don't have insight. Yeah. I would like to add to that. I think because parents are mostly listening to this podcast. Yeah. Here are some common mistakes I think parents, well-intentioned parents make when helping their kids with their personal statements. Number one is being over-involved. Yeah, because I think parents... That's kind of a common I mean, just, mistake. It's just a common mistake, parenting mistake, period. But especially with the personal statement, we see At parents... At age, you know, right? We're talking seniors in high school. Seniors in high school, parents who are like, I'm a really good writer. I do it for a living, right? Like, 
I'm an editor, I'm an author, I'm a journalist, I'm an English teacher, right? Like I've got all this insight. I know my kid. So I'm going to help them edit their essays. And I'm like, ooh, girl. <laughs> ooh. It's often fraught. It's so fraught. Because guess what? They may not want to talk to you about what they're writing about. They may not want you to show you because they may be writing something that about is you. very private to them. Right. Or about you. Right. And they don't want you looking at that. So that's something you all need to talk about with your children early. Like yeah. And what's the plan for getting them the, the support plan? they need? How, and, you know, do they have the support that they need? Do yeah. they want your involvement or not? What does that involvement look like? I mean, honestly, map that out. And the reality, too I think parents think they know more than they do (laughs) (laughs) about the college process and the personal statement, right? They're like, oh, I think this is – and I have plenty of parents who are like, we have no freaking idea. Please help my child because I have no idea what college is. But then I also have parents who are like, oh, I have a lot of ideas about what, you know, a college essay should look Shouldn't they write about this internship because blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't they talk about the time that they met so-and-so? It's so impressive. Parents almost always – parents almost always Go to resume. They go to resume. They go to achievement. They go to what they see as impressive. Like if I was a college admission officer, this is what would impress me. This award really impressed me. So I'm going to write this thing. Yeah. And that's the most boring thing to actually admissions people. You're like, ugh, Snoozeville, I hate this essay. This is so boring. Tells me nothing about the kid. It's all about achievement, which is the wrong. Nothing about character. Right. And it's like not what we're trying to focus on, even though, I mean, it's, trust me, we get that it is totally hypocritical (laughs) in a lot of ways. But that is a lot of times admissions folks are like, not interested in that. Want to hear about the person, not the things that you do. Hypocritical. Hypocritical that institutions, elite institutions, Aren't fair. No, that they would, even though getting into that institution would be seen as an achievement, right? It's like achievement oriented to get into that. But the process of getting into that institution around the personal statement, at least, is like they don't want you to focus on achievement. Right, because they're going to see that on your resume. Yeah, as if we haven't said this a million times, the whole highly selective college admission process, not a meritocracy. Like it's not. And this season, they also want you to have achievement. They do. But they don't want you to talk about it in your personal statement because that's annoying. Because they want you to have characters so yes. they can justify to themselves <laughs> that their process is not transactional. That's right. That's why the, the hypocritical part. Anyways. And I think over-involvement from parents, but like also over-involvement from people who have no idea what they're doing. Ugh. That's a huge one. Tutors. Like, your SAT tutor doesn't know. No. Um, your English tutor doesn't know. No. I mean, unless they have actually been an admission officer. Okay, fine. Admission officer, I can get behind. Even... Sometimes college counselors who have never actually done admissions work sometimes. I'm but like, they've been doing the work. They've been a college counselor for a long time. Totally fine. Totally fine. But sometimes I find that some college counselors that I'm like, who is this person and why did they give you this advice? And even independent counselors, right? Not all are created the same. Not especially all have the same advice. Especially independent counselors. <laughs> yes, especially. I mean, I would be especially rigorous in your scrutiny of independent college counselors. Absolutely. Like, have you actually, have you actually read thousands of applications? If so, where, and how did you decide an essay was like, what is a good essay in your mind? Okay. And the brother-in-law who went to an Ivy league school or went to interview for Georgetown. Right. I do alumni interviews for Georgetown. I went to Harvard business school. And so of course I'm going to have this person read my essay. They have no freaking clue. Or just because my friend goes to Stanford, so I'm going to have him read it because he got in with his essay. You don't know that. He might have got in despite his essay. (laughs) 
Like you actually don't know, right? That actually was, we invited the dean, the dean of admission from Duke to talk at our, the high school that I used to work at. And he actually said that he was like, before you start believing what all your neighbors say about why Mm -hmm. somebody got in, he's like, you don't know if they got in despite the fact that they did that thing. You actually don't know. And teaser, we have some directors of admission sitting down with us this season who will Yes, probably. Do some myth busting. Do some powerful myth busting. Yes. Okay. What else we got? What else do we got? I think that for the one thing I will emphasize is the importance of drafting and editing. So a lot of students that we work with are used to high school writing and often even the ones that get ahead of their work, you know, they go through one, maybe two drafts of an essay before they turn it into their English or history teacher. Because this kind of writing is different and they're mostly not used to it, it usually requires several drafts. And before, you know, Kathy or I would sort of say, yeah, I think this is actually solid and ready to send and puts your best foot forward. And that process is just foreign to a lot of students. So something to be prepared for is, you know, if a thing is due on a Friday, they better not start that on a Monday. It's not going to work. They're, you know, that would be fine maybe for their history. They could turn in like a really good history essay and get an A on it. But just for some context, you know, we spend in a week in an essay workshop, we spend four days, five days, four days, four days, four days, six plus hours a day, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. with the expectation that the students go home after 3 p.m. and do a bunch of stuff at night for Editing. the next day. Yep just on the personal statement. So that alone is at least, probably they're putting in about 40 hours. Easily. And you know? they actually come out of the essay workshop with a personal statement. They can do it. So, but it does take but time. But it's a lot of time. And it's also a willingness to give up on an idea. That's important too. That's really like important. The multiple drafts isn't just one draft of one idea. It's multiple drafts of different ideas. So if you have a college counselor, if your child has a college counselor at their school that you like, that you trust, or they're working with someone you like, trust, they're working with one of us, and that person says, yeah, this has no legs, you got to start over, then you need to start over. Facts. Yeah, you got to be able to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. This is part of just being a writer, right? For those of us who just have writing as part of your life, creative writing, personal writing, whatever it is, you know, you start drafts and you're like, this is crap. (laughs) What is this? What am I trying to say? Right? Like, no, this is crap. We've got to start over. And we tell kids that all the time. It's okay. You should expect to have five ideas that you're working on and scrapping four, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm workshopping all of these and this one isn't, it's really hard. It's raw. I can't really get to my point. Okay. It's not working for you. Let it go. So anyways, we've talked a lot about the personal Mm -hmm. statement. We won't talk about it anymore this episode, but if you have questions, let us know, send a comment, send us an email. Somebody actually commented on one of our Instagram posts, finally, it was very exciting. And they were so excited. The parent was so excited that we responded. She was like, oh my God, I can't believe you actually responded to my question. Yes, people, we will respond to your we questions. Will. So if you we have will. a question, let us know. Let us We'd know. love to hear from you. Amazing. Thanks so much, everybody. See you next time.